This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to jump into chapter number eight because uh, I'm going to leave chapter number seven for them to teach. And uh, we're not, we're, we're, nothing's going to happen if we break chronology uh, by, by any means, but I want to make sure that uh, we are maintaining our, our study in the book of Matthew. And uh, Matthew is, uh, the, the, the gospel according to Matthew has been so enriching to us. Uh, we've had 20 messages so far preached in the gospel according to Matthew. And uh, we're done with five chapters, okay? So, sorry, uh, with six chapters. And uh, chapter number seven is next week, and chapter number eight I'm going to start uh, this week. Uh, you know, in, in the year 2010, uh, I actually moved to this country. Uh, you know, I, t- 13 years ago uh, was, was when I first set, you know, foot in this country as, uh, as somebody that, that moved in as a student, uh, as an international student to do my master's. Uh, in a city called Waxahachie, uh, which is a little south of Dallas. I was one of four brown boys that were in that college, and everyone always looked at me weird. Uh, but uh, I was what they considered uh, back in 2010 as what many would refer to as a fob. Uh, Many would still argue that I still am one, uh, but for those of y'all who don't know, a FOB stands for fresh off the boat. Uh, I dressed like one, I talked like one, I still dress like one and talk like one. Uh, there, there are people at church that's just disappointed with my dressing style uh, from time to time and they have a talk with me and I refuse to change. Uh, uh, cultural assimilation hadn't happened as yet. I would say, and uh, I was still re- learning the ropes. Uh, and, and I still remember in 2010, I was, uh, I was looking for housing as a graduate student. And uh, I finally found something after months and months of looking for something in my budget. I was super excited. Uh, you know, I got the email and it said, hey, we've secured housing. We have an apartment for you. And, uh, you know, get ready to move in. They gave me my move-in date. I was excited. It was fresh news. And I remember calling Sonia up. And uh, we were friends back then. And I looked at I texted her and I said, hey, I have... I have some amazing news for you. And, uh, and she, was, she was like, okay, what's going on? And uh, she, you know, during the call later on that day, I said, I can't wait, I was at work. I said, I can't wait to share this news with you. So when she called, I looked at her and I said, man, I'm so excited. I am super, super excited. Guess what? And she's like, ah, I don't know, what, what good news do you have? And I said, I'm so excited. I finally found a flat. And uh, she paused and I was like, Hello, you there? And I was like, she's like, what'd you say? And I said, I finally found a flat. And she said, that's good news? And she's like, are you getting it fixed? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I found a flat, that's exciting news. And she was like, why is that exciting? Like, people are disappointed when they find a flat. And I said, no, I've been praying for a flat, and I found a flat. I soon had to tell myself that my British English or my post-colonial language that I used in India wouldn't work in America because flat meant apartment in India. It didn't mean, like we never said apartment, we said flats in India and flat meant something totally different here in America. She said, you mean mean, uh, an apartment? I was like, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. 
I still don't get why Americans call biscuits cookies. And the boot of the trunk, uh, the, the boot of the car, they call it a trunk. I, I still don't get it. Or why they call pavement sidewalks. I, I, but I've learned it. I've learned that the American lingo is something that I have to live with. And unless I speak the American lingo, people won't understand me. Right? Sometimes I, I, sometimes I feel like we have to dumb it down here in America, right? It's, it's like uh, back, back, in, back in India, I said, we, we just said glasses. And here in America, it's like eyeglasses. Like, 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 do you wear glasses anywhere else but the eyes? Like, do we have to like, I'm sorry, but. I still remember telling Sonia I went horse, horse riding. And she's like, you mean horseback riding? Like, where else would you ride a horse? Like, on its neck? Like, what horseback riding? Like, I don't understand it sometimes. But there was another word that I soon found out had a dual meaning, which not really a meaning, but the word wow was, yeah, I was used to the word wow being used in astonishment or surprise. But I soon learned that wow could be used in sarcasm as well. I soon learned that. I, di I didn't know that. There's often words that are used that can mean two different things. You know, today, I, I kind of want to explore a passage of scripture that Jesus is introducing to us in Matthew chapter number eight. I want us to go through this passage, and in, 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 in a few minutes, I'll talk to you about the word amaze and how Jesus is amazed at things that we do. So in, in, in particular, one thing that we do as Christians, and I want to title my message this morning, Faith Amazes God. Someone say, Faith Amazes God. You know, in Matthew chapter number 8, we're introduced to this passage. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read Matthew chapter number 8. Is that okay? Let's read Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 to 13 in its entirety, and then we'll go from there. Matthew chapter 8, 1 to 13. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. I want to stop there real quick. Now, this is exactly where the Sermon on the Mount ends. He was on the mountaintop you know, preaching to the people, uh, this sermon that was so captivating, that was so moving. And next Sunday, we'll be culminating the Sermon on the Mount. The six people will be teaching us the last installment of the Sermon on the Mount. It's going to be powerful. But I'm picking up where he just gets done with the message. It is powerful. It is moving. Now, ordinarily in church, after you hear my 40-minute message, some of you all start yawning. Right? Some of y'all are like thinking about lunch. I know when some of y'all are checking out already. Like at the 30 minute mark, some of y'all are like shutting down your Bible. Some of y'all make it so obvious. You're like, <laughs> and if I didn't hear, you're like, <laughs> or John comes up on the piano to be like, okay, pastor, I think you've talked a little too much. Let's, let's get going. No, but the Bible says that Jesus finished this longest sermon that he's ever preached. And the people didn't want to leave. Thank you, Lord. I hope that day comes here at Commission Church as well. They didn't want to leave. And the Bible says, as soon as he finishes his sermon, they just continue following him. They, he comes down the mountain. Great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him, knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Look at the faith he has. We're going to learn about two men of faith today. If you will, you can make me clean. Verse 3, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will. Someone say, I will. I will. And he said, be clean. 
And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Now I want you to listen very, very carefully as I start this message today. Jesus is descending from the mountain to enter the city of Jerusalem. Crowds are thronging. They wanted to see, is he going to perform a miracle? Is he going to do something right now? Is he going to heal somebody? Is he going to raise somebody from the dead? Let me tell you something this morning. Crowds started thronging not because of his advertising, not because of his marketing strategies, not because of the amazing faces that the disciples had, not because of his ability to convince people. In fact, he had preached one of the harshest messages that he could ever preach. It should have sent people away and driven people away. But we introduced to a Jesus that was drawing people closer to him. Let me tell you something, church. When the Holy Ghost is moving, and when people are being healed of all manner of sickness, when we're being set free from sin, when we're being delivered from the oppressing powers of hell, when salvations are happening left, right, and center, and the Word of God is preached with anointing power of God upon it, you won't have to beg people to come. They will come just to see that fire burn. I tell people all the time, our goal is not to see if we can build a big church. It's to pe preach the, the truth. It's to worship God in power and in might and where there are signs, wonders, and miracles that happen. Where the truth is preached, where lives are changed, and where lives are transformed, people will continue to gather. People will come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. It's not an impossible task, church. We're introduced to this leper. Now I want to be very careful in Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, this is the first miracle that is recorded. But this wasn't the first miracle that happened. There were a few other miracles. If you go to the book of Luke or in chronological order, in the book of Luke and John, you will see how there are other miracles that have been accounted for before Matthew comes along and mentions of the first miracle in his gospel. The Bible is talking about this man who was caught in the prison of flesh that was slowly but surely dying. No medical doctor, no priest, no power on earth could release him from his prison and sentence of death. But he knew that Jesus could. He had heard the messages. He had heard that he went around healing people and, and people were, were, were being healed and set free, that, that lepers were being healed and the sick were being healed and people with fever. Fever was disappearing. The small and the big, everything Jesus was dealing with. And if there's one thing that he could receive, that would be freedom that Christ would offer. But he knew that Jesus could. I love that phrase, but Jesus. Like the doctors can't, the lawyers can't, people can't, friends can't, relatives can't, but Jesus. I want to remind somebody today. It's not that he's the last option, but he is reminding us as his believers, as his children, that he is always there for us and his word promises us that. I love that phrase. When all things seem impossible and there's no more hope, remember that phrase, but Jesus, he can when no, el no one else can. He comes through when no one else will. He's your answer, not some man, not some medical report. My Jesus has always been and will always be the answer. 
This man was unclean. According to the law of Moses, he could never enter the gates of Jerusalem. So he was always outside of the gates. He was outside of the holy city that was dedicated to God. And this leper was trying to get to Jesus before he entered the gates. And so he came as fast as he could. As soon as he could see, he could see Jesus. Before Jesus could watch, walk through those gates. Before he could, he could lose track of Jesus and maybe never meet him again. Or maybe meet him again. He says, Jesus, would you set me free? You know, the sad reality is this. There are so many people that will stand outside the gates like this leper and never want to approach Jesus because they expect Jesus to be just like everybody else that want nothing to do with them. I'm talking about people like me. That I'm talking about each one of us sitting over here that every time we, we, we go distant from God, every time our heart goes distant from God, every time we walk away from God, every time our heart goes weary, man, we don't feel like we want to approach God. We feel like the gates of Jerusalem have been closed and we're unclean to enter into the presence of God. I've counseled so many people in my life who just don't feel worthy to come to church, who don't feel worthy to come into the presence of God, who will not feel worthy to go into small groups and life groups and be vulnerable to other people because they're afraid as to how people might see their leprosy. And I'm not talking about a debilitating illness that is gnawing away at your skin and eating away at your skin. This man's leprosy was a real leprosy. But for so many of us, it's the leprosy of our soul that keeps us away from God. But the knowledge that Jesus deeply cares about our leprous, treacherous heart has to ring a bell in some of us. It's us that he came for. It's us that he came into this earth for. It is us that he went to the cross for. Do not run from him. Why? Walk to him even though the gates of this world may be closed to you. I want to remind somebody that your freedom is in God's perfect will. He says, God, if Jesus, if you will to set me free, that's not even a negotiable. I want to remind somebody, no matter how far you've gone, no matter how deep you are in sin, no matter how distant you are from God, it is in his perfect will that you be set free of everything you're going through. That's the purest theology that I can preach to you, is that there's no distance, no, no distance that you can run, no, nowhere that you can hide, that Jesus cannot pursue you and find you and say, here I am. That's the scandalous grace of Jesus. The scandalous grace of Jesus that comes running to you when everybody else flees from you. When everybody else labels you, he takes that label off and calls you his child, his son, his daughter, because that's who you were. All the other things were things that were put on you. Before the name that was given to you by your parents, he knew you by your name. He knew you by the number of hair on your head. It doesn't matter where you are in life. It doesn't matter how you were going through in life. Jesus cares about your freedom and he says, I will be clean. He wills. I wanted to start with that bit, but I kind of wanted to use that as a stepping stone to this next passage, this next man that Jesus is going to encounter. He sets him clean, he sets him free. And in verse number five, we pick up for the, the, the rest. When, when he had entered Capernaum, a centurion, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him. And he said, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home. 
suffering terribly. A centurion comes up to him, this popular man. He's a, he's a general in the, in the army. He's a general in the Roman army, and, and he is a, he's a man of wealth. He's a man of populence. He's, he is known. And he comes up to Jesus, is what the Bible says, and he says, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home. I'm going to talk about the servant in just a second, but I want to parallel this passage with Luke's account of the same story. Is that okay? Go with me to Luke chapter 7. This will help us to understand this a little more deeper. Luke chapter 7. Luke talks about this and he says this. He says, when the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews. So the Roman centurion called some of the elders of the Jews. That would be like the city council leader or the mayor calling Jeff and saying, hey Jeff, you are an elder at Commission Church. Would you please go? I'm not, by no means, this is not heresy. I'm not comparing myself to Jesus. Please, okay? That's not what I'm doing. But they will go up to, to, to the elder and say, hey, would you please get us a meeting with your pastor? This is exactly what's happening. So he goes to the elders of the Jews asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, who? The elders. They come to Jesus, and they, they're pleading with him and saying, he is worthy. Who is worthy? The centurion is worthy to have you do this for him. What? For he loves our nation. He loves the Jews. And he is the one who built us our synagogue. Rich guy. He has the dollars, Jesus. Verse 6. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Now, although there's a little more added over here where we can see a little more clearer picture of what's happening in this story, we don't know anything about the servant. We don't, there's nothing mentioned about the servant. There's, we don't know how old he is. We don't know why he even cares about the servant because they had many of them. They were a lot. More like slaves. More like they, they were in plenty. Why was he important? We don't know. Maybe he cared about this servant because he was a good man. He was not like other Roman people who just didn't care about the servant. Maybe he had a good heart. Or maybe that the servant was important. Maybe the, he was an employee that was indispensable. I pray that we will be an employee that is indispensable. Come on, am I talking to somebody today? As Christians, as believers, I pray that we will be someone that your manager fights for. It's awfully quiet in this place. Come on. Be someone that your director will go to bat for when push comes to shove. Again, it's awfully quiet in this place. You know, when you go up to your manager, you feel like your season's done at a place, and you go up to the manager, it's like, you know what, I, I think I'm going to quit. Two responses. Two responses. One response, oh, no, man, I'm so sad to lose you. How? What, what can I do to change your mind? Like, 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 like are you, you okay? Everything's okay? Okay. Well, thank you for being here. Like, like, it's not a detailed meeting. It's, not, it's more of a, thank God he's leaving. <laughs> the second one is, no way! Can I give you a raise? Like, can I cut your hours down? Can you come part-time? Like, like that's, that's the response that you want to get. Like, Chris, like, I don't know what category you fall in, but I hope that you are highly favored in your employee. Like, like, I don't know. 
We don't know much about this, this guy. But verse 7 continues and he says to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority. Now listen, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to other, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, now listen, verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled. In the NLT, the, the word used over there is the word amazed. He was amazed. He went, wow. Someone say, wow. We'll talk later about how he uses wow in a sarcastic way. But in this situation, Jesus is truly amazed. He's like, wow. And he said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Now I want you to listen up. Jesus was amazed. Like, and, and, and here's my thing. Anything that can amaze God is worth digging into. Because there's not much instances of God being like, he is the one that we're amazed by. Am I talking to somebody? Like, God is worthy of awe. God is worthy of amaze. Like, he is the one that is, ever, like, there's nothing beyond that. And if God has to stop in his tracks and say, wow, to something, that might be important. Anybody agree with me? Yes? No? Because I don't think God uses awesome like we do. Awesome. Everything's Awesome. The ice cream was awesome. How's marriage? Awesome. Like everything's awesome. Exactly. You could use the same word interchangeably for ice cream and marriage. Ron, I don't know what that wow was, Ron. Well, yeah. But we know about this man, he had connections, he was wealthy. But the Bible says he approached Jesus through somebody else, through the Jewish elders. It's amazing, this introduction, someone approached Jesus on his behalf, which is kind of like all of us. At some point in our faith journey, like the introduction, someone approached Jesus on our behalf. Remember that you are a conduit that enables the message of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Somebody introduced you to Jesus. It might be your parents, it might be your youth pastor, it might be your coworker. Somebody, somewhere introduced you to the majesty, to the love, to the omniscience, the omnipotence, the power of Jesus. And here, somebody has introduced Jesus to this man. Your purpose today on this earth is to be a conduit. Are people meeting Jesus through your church? My question is that daily, in your daily lives, in your everyday lives, at work, in your family, in your everyday relationships, it could be the person next to you at Starbucks. Like, it doesn't matter. Are people meeting Jesus through you? Have you told your friends about your church? Like, obviously, this man paid for this entire church to be built. He heard about the church from somewhere. An ungodly man who paid money, his own money, to build a church of not even his own religion. The influence that they had on this man was amazing. Have you been a good witness? My question is so important. This man says he loves our synagogue. He wrote a check for our building. This man has a lot of wealth. 
Can I talk to somebody today? You know why people like the Centurion don't write checks for missions and for our churches nowadays? It's because they're not in our circle of love. They're not in our circle of love. Because we exclude them, we stereotype them, we demonize them. If you don't look like us, if you don't vote like us, if you don't think like us, if you're not of the same political affiliation like us, if you don't believe the same things we do, the love of Jesus, all that stuff is great. Like Sunday morning, we'll talk about the love of Jesus, we'll talk about loving your neighbors, but the moment election cycle comes around, forget that. Who cares about the love of Jesus? Who cares about loving your neighbor? Who cares about loving people? We talked about this a few weeks ago. Loving people that don't believe the same thing that you do is exactly what Jesus was alluding to and saying love on those people. He says loving people that you have stuff in common with is easy. Don't come up to me and say, Jesus, I did that. I don't care about that. That's easy to love. Love people that is not worthy of being loved. All of our resources are in our relationships. I want to remind somebody, make connections. Build relationships without an agenda. Learn how to build relations. Like, I have friends that are non-Christian. And my agenda is not to make them Christian. It's to show them, be a witness. That's what Jesus says. Go ye and be a witness. Don't witness about me. Let them see Jesus radiate and shine through you that one day they will meet Jesus through your witness. Somebody said, be a witness. Don't reject people and don't shun people and don't be like, oh, this person. No, they, they, they will not hear about you. They will not see Jesus if you do not allow them into your lives, church. It's so important to allow them into your lives, your neighbors. Like, when's the last time you had a conversation with your neighbor? When's the last time you went out into your community and talked to people? When's the last time you just had a conversation with somebody that you didn't know and just, and they wondered, man, where do you get this joy from? And this, this centurion sees Jesus coming. And as soon as he sees Jesus coming, he has this next idea. This idea that comes out of nowhere. He knows that he can exercise authority even when he's not there. Like he's thinking about his job. He's thinking about his position. He's thinking about his role as a centurion and how much authority he carries. And he's like, man, if this man has authority like I do or what I hear he has, man, he probably does the same thing I do. So what was his solution? He looks at him and he says, man, just like me, I don't need to be there. I can tell people to do this and they will do it. I can tell people that I, I. and he compares his role and says, Jesus, if you can just declare from where you are, maybe, maybe my servant will be healed. This is important, y'all. Because he knows that for power to operate, it does not require physical presence. His seal and his letter would work. His word would work. Use my name and that would, just go tell them the centurion sent you and that would work. Isn't that, is, is that different from what Jesus said? He said, ask in my name and it will be given. Come on, somebody. He said, pray in my name. There's authority in the name of Jesus. That's what Jesus, this is why Jesus stresses on the authority of the believer so much. This is why Jesus says, I've given you authority over every power of the enemy to trample in snakes and scorpions. Whew. I just want to shift focus a little bit. See, we can't read the Bible as a history book. We can't. 
These people were precedent setters, like people like the centurion were precedent setters. They were precedent setters for, for faith. What am, I, what am I talking about? See, Jesus was always present at miracles. I told you, this wasn't the first miracle. There were miracles that happened till now, and Jesus was always there. Whether it be changing the wine into water, sorry, water into wine, whether it be doing all that stuff, like, like I believe that like, like each one of those situations, people were standing around him, they saw him, people knew that they had to be around, they needed a touch, they needed to be there at the right place, at the right time, and here they were, this was something different. The first time someone was ever saying, Jesus, you don't have to be there. That's all we know. But maybe, just maybe, I don't need to see it to be like, I don't, you don't have to be there, Jesus. You just have to declare. This was extraordinary. No one had heard about this before. Nobody could use that and say, Jesus, you remember what that guy did? Could you do the same thing? Never. Never. Do you know this? Your faith has the potential to come up with something that would stop Jesus in his tracks and amaze him. Think about that for a second. Your faith has the potential to stop Jesus in his tracks and Jesus could go, wow. I've never heard of that one before. I've never seen that before. You remember the woman that touched the hem of his garment? She didn't have a script to go by. She didn't have a Bible verse. She didn't have somebody telling her, hey, try this and it will be done. That's all she could do. She was probably slouched over. She was probably dragging herself. She probably didn't have the strength to go about. She probably didn't even have the strength to go up and, and seek for his help. And all she could do was just get a touch of the hem of his garment. But she was a trendsetter. She laid a precedent that, would, that, that has never happened before. She was not afraid to go against the odds and not toe the line. Like, she set a precedent. I hope you're catching this revelation this morning. What amazed him? He was amazed. Jesus was amazed that an ungodly man was tapping into the omniscience of God. An ungodly man who had no clue about how good God was and his nature was tapping into the fact that God is everywhere at all times. He is all powerful. And he goes, wow, just if everybody got this. He was like, three years is all I'm going to be here. And if people can get this, that I don't need to physically touch them, that my word can bring healing and power and merit. He was amazed at the fact that this man stepped into a new territory and was declaring something into motion. And the only person who knew that he knew that he didn't have to be physically present was Jesus. But he didn't say anything. He wasn't the one that suggested it. As soon as, he, as soon as word came to him, he wasn't the one that said, man, it's a long walk. Let me be here and I'll declare it. Could he have done it? Yes. Did he probably know that he was going to do it? Yes. But he didn't want to bring it up. Like, I want you to think with me. Like, he could have said it without traveling. There was no airplane to travel in. It took time to walk. And think about Jesus. Like, if you had three years to live, if... Any of y'all, you had three years to work in the job that you do, have the career that you have, meet the people that you have to meet, travel the places that you have to travel. Like if you had three years to do everything you wanted to do in this earth, like you wouldn't want to do unnecessary journeys. Am I talking to somebody? You would want to save time. You, you would basically say, I don't have time for that. 
His secretary, Peter, would have basically funneled that through and said, sorry, we don't have time for this small request. Jesus will order from here and he will be, right, go through this hassle. I want to remind somebody today, God is willing to take journeys that he doesn't need to for your sake. Rather than force something on us that is an option. Come on, am I talking to somebody? But because it didn't come from our faith, or our asking, or our hunger, or our curiosity, he's just going with what you think is the norm. Not that the norm is wrong, but what if I had the faith as a mustard seed. What if I had extravagant faith? What if I had unprecedented faith? What if I had faith that nobody has ever heard of? <sighs> Oof. Jesus. I want to remind somebody today. Not that it's wrong that we confine God to our knowledge because that's all we know. Not that it's wrong to confine God to our comfort zone because that's all we know. But I'm asking, what if you can get out of that comfort zone? What if for a second you can get out of what you know and say, God, I don't need to see it to believe it. God, I don't need to understand God, but faith inside of me wants to say that this might be impossible. That has never been done before. This has never been seen before. My family has never seen this. My family has never seen a graduate. My family has never seen a doctoral candidate. My family has never done this or this or this, but I will be the first one, Lord, and I have the faith, Lord, that it will happen in the name of Jesus. I need some people of faith today to step up and say, I will break the curse in my family. There's some of y'all that need to step up and say, the, the, it, it could be a religious curse, it could be a physical curse, it could be a disease, it could be a sickness, it could be blood pressure, it could be sugar, it could be a heart problem, I don't care what it is, it could have plagued your, for your family for generations, but I need some people who can step up and say, in the name of Jesus, I am going to have unprecedented faith. I've not seen it, our track record is not good, but the buck stops here. Today, I will have freedom. Oof, come on. Because here's the thing. He moves at the pace of our faith, not his ability. Because his ability makes him move all the time. He's moving. Even when you're not seeing, he's moving. He's shifting. Even when you don't see it, he's shifting. He is doing when even, even when you don't see. So his ability is not questioned. He only moves in your life at the speed of your faith. What are you talking about, Pastor? See, his ability and understanding is unmeasurable. It's, can I put it very simple? I, I spent hours thinking about how I could break this down, and, and this is the best way. You know, I use my daughters a lot as examples. You know, in Job chapter 5, before I use that, the Bible says this, God does great and unsearchable things, wonders without number. Like, the mind of God is unsearchable. He does beyond what we can think. Like, I, I remember Matt, Matt, Mickey is in, she, she was in first grade, getting into second grade, and I would give her math problems to solve. And these are problems that I look at, 10 plus 18, how much is it, Mickey? And everything inside of me is like, you don't need to think that long. Two seconds, I need the answer. Right now. Right now. Because in my head, I'm like, you know how she thinks? She's like, 10. No, 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 18, 18, 18, 18, 
18 is the bigger number, Dada. 18, 19, 20, 21, 24, uh, 12, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 28, 30. And all along, she's taking all this while, and I'm, still, I'm like, come on, come on, just, just, just in your head, mental math. You know, just, just count, like, you know 18. The closest number to 18 is what, 20? Just subtract two, just 10 plus. And I'm like, I was her age at one point in time. And I didn't think the way I think, right? Yes, no, maybe. But I think I'm smarter than a second grader because I've been through, I've seen it. Like I've practiced, I've used it in my daily life. And although I did exactly or even worse than her when I was in her shoes, I can't expect my second grader to operate on the level of a 10th grader. But God will only move at the pace of our understanding, maturity, and willingness to learn, adapt, and exercise our faith. He's like, you're not ready to move at that pace as yet. And it's not that I'm not able. It's not that I can't deliver. It's not that I'm not going to be able to do that. But every time we make a leap of faith and every time we make progress and the moment Mickey can look at me and say, Donna, the closest number to 20, uh, 18 is 20. So let me deduct two and, and do mental math like that. You know what my reaction is going to be that day? I'm going to sit next to her and say, wow. New level unlocked. Why? Why? Because maturity and understanding and pliability and, and getting into the presence of God and understanding, and, and when you move in the pace of understanding, and some of us are just stuck, stuck in second grade spiritual understanding, and you expect God to move at the speed of light. You expect God to do wonders and signs and miracles. God, if you did it yesterday, you can do it again. How much are you fasting? Uh, Oh, yeah, I don't know. How much are you praying? Oh, yeah, yeah, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. No. Like, if you don't want to do anything on your part and your end to make progress, to understand the mind of God, the mind of God will ever be blurry to you. The Bible says in Proverbs, for God finds honor and God finds, like, like his honor and his glory comes through concealing things. Holding things that you will not understand. But, but you find glory in revealing those things. Like you and I find glory when we can go to unsearchable things in, in prayer, in wisdom, in understanding, and unravel those things. God is sitting back and saying, wow! Lord, please Lord, help this to sink into us today. Jesus was willing to walk all the way to his house. He was. Oof, Jesus. It shows us that God will walk down roads. We want him to walk because he loves us, man. He's willing to take that journey. But I'm asking some people to be elevated in your faith and your understanding to where you can set some unprecedented Oof, things for your families. Set some stuff into motion that your children will learn. Like when they watch you pray, I pray that they will walk and learn in authority. The other day, I had a wow moment with one of my daughters because I, I saw her praying like how I pray in the war room, rebuking Satan and rebuking the devil and rebuking the power of darkness. I saw my, my four-year-old look at her little rash on her arm and cast the devil out of that rash. 
And that might seem dumb to some people, but in spiritual warfare, there's nothing dumb. I'm like looking at it, I'm like so proud. I'm like, wow, thank you, Jesus, because we are raising warriors who understand what faith is. Jesus. He didn't have to. He could have commanded it. He could have been done. But he won't do it because we didn't ask. God is amazed when our faith can unravel his ability. God is amazed when our faith can knock at the door of impossibility. God is amazed when, when, when our faith wants to be a precedent creator. God is amazed when our faith says, but God can. You know why this is difficult for so many of us? Because we were taught that our role in faith is just to believe. Just believe. Sit back and just believe. It will happen. Just believe. It will happen when it has to happen. Don't stress. It'll happen. That's what we were taught to believe. No one told us to tap into the unknown. No one encouraged us to tap into the limitless possibility of what God has done. Like biblical precedence is there and you're like, yeah, does the Bible talk about this? No, but, but think about everyone. Like stop being cessationist and say everything that has been done has been done. I want somebody to say it is the same unchanging God yesterday, today, and forevermore. If he did it yesterday, he can do it today. And if he did it today, he'll do it again tomorrow. He continues his amazing works today. Man, this centurion had guts. Worship team, you guys can get ready. He was this complete outsider. He had the audacity. He had what some people might call the cheek, the naivety to tell Jesus what to do. The disciples had all the right. Peter with his sword was right there. Be like, Boy, you better get, we don't have time for this nonsense. But Paul Scanlon says this, believers need to have unicorn ideas. I'm coming to a close with this. He talks about the creative process and how in business meetings and business rooms, business board meetings and creative process meetings, there are three different kinds of horses in creative thinking. There are the thoroughbreds. This is the thinking that is reliable. These are the people that are practical in their thinking. These are the ones that are, they come in with reliable ideas, you know, practical ideas, suggestions that are, that they know the outcome, they know the, they, they come up with practical suggestions. This is gonna work. This is what's happened. This is what's worked in the past. This is what's, it's proven. Those are the thoroughbreds. And then you have the second one, the second uh, group of people there are the Mustangs. Those are the, the wild ones, the untamed ones. The ideas that are scary. But you need an equal portion of the scary ideas and the untamed ideas as much as you need the tamed and the proven ones. Or nothing happens. You'll see successful directors of companies and successful vice presidents and presidents and, 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 and successful CEOs will have around their table groups of people that are so weird. Some of them are so predictable and others are so weird. And then you have the third category that he calls the unicorn group. This is nothing like the first two. This is so crazy, so outside the box. Like they don't fit in that room. Like if you look at them, you're like, what are you even doing in this room? Like your ideas are, like, like are out of this world crazy and so many things in this world is happening today because of a unicorn idea. 
You know, Henry Morton called Edison's bulb a, com uh, a conspicuous failure. That's what he called it. They said bicycles would fail. See, you know what the problem is? You won't find many people with unicorn ideas in the church. You won't find many Christians with unicorn ideas. You know why? Because we kill them as soon as we see them. Christians are notorious for killing unicorn ideas as soon as we see them. Please, I'm not using the stage to talk about unicorns. Don't get me wrong. If you listen to the entire message, you will get what I'm talking about. We kill their ideas. We like normal people. We like people that fit in our mold of normal. They have to dress a certain way. They have to talk a certain way. They have to make a certain amount of money. Their hairdo has to be a certain way. But anything peculiar, anything out of the way, but I read the Bible and the Bible says, he talks about a peculiar people. He talks about the disciples not being in a mold. Like these guys were like the rejects. <laughs> like the people that they were peculiar. People thought that they were uncouth. Like they, they thought that they were untrained. They, they had foul mouths. Unicorn idea people. Hmm. We like, we, we ask them to be normal and if they, they're not, we muzzle them. We throw them out. They're not a part of our clique. They're not a part of our group. Jesus isn't a thoroughbred. He's not a Mustang. He's always thinking outside the box, church. We have demonized and outlawed crazy in the church. Like we can be threatened by unicorn ideas. Jesus wasn't. What the centurion had was his unicorn idea, something that nobody had ever thought about before. People, called, people were like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, get away for, with your, with your you know, crazy ideas and your crazy thinking. Can I tell you something? Sane is overrated when you need a breakthrough in your life. Reason is overrated when you need God to move in a supernatural way. Like, we all need some crazy, if you're not crazy, you need some crazy people in your life. Look at somebody next to you and say, have some crazy people in your life. Anybody have any crazy people in your life that you are thankful to God for? Like text them today and tell them, thank you for being my crazy person. Come on, okay, not right now, not like sometime today. Text them and say, thank you for being my crazy person. Stand up to your feet. You remember that man that was brought by his four friends? The thoroughbred told them, it's busy, let's come back tomorrow. Jesus is busy, let's come back, it's proven. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll come early in the morning and maybe the revival's still going on, maybe we can get our friend in. The Mustang would have said, let's wait, let's stand in line. Might be a while, but let's tailgate. Let's make some, like, like, let's cook some burgers. Let's make sure that we have some good aroma so people on the inside can come outside. And when they come outside, we can go inside. And then there was the unicorn that jumped up and said, I have an idea. Let's vandalize the property. Let's bring the roof down. So up they go onto the roof, make a hole in the roof. The man is lowered. Here's what Jesus didn't say. You came before, you should have come before service started. Here's what Jesus didn't say. Go, go stand in line. 
Here's what Jesus didn't say. He said, man, you're too late or you broke the rules. You know what Jesus said? Bet, I can do that. That's what Jesus said. So many of us are so polite, man. Like, stop standing in line. Some of us need to tear the roof down. Some of us need to go into the presence of God and say, I have a unicorn idea, Lord. Come on, am I talking? To, like, some of y'all are so embarrassed that you can even take that to Jesus. Trust me, he knows that thought before it even entered your head. You don't have to, have to be, some of y'all just need to leave your thoughts before the presence of God because God's like, man, some of those ideas that you have can be a precedent. Oof. Jesus looks at a man by the waters and he's like, what are you doing here? Jesus, every time the waters are stirred, I can't get in. Jesus, every time, I, my turn, I'm waiting for my turn. And by the time I... He's like, see, if you had a unicorn idea. Hmm. You remember the time when Joshua was in battle? They're winning. Joshua's winning and he's like, man, I gotta seize this opportunity. We gotta take this battle because what's gonna happen is if it gets dark, we're gonna lose our advantage. The enemy's gonna just scatter. They're gonna run into the woods. They're gonna scurry into the dark and we gotta come back tomorrow to finish this fight. We gotta finish it today. We need more daylight. So he looks at the sun and says what? Stand still. <laughs> Are you serious? That's not thoroughbred. That's not Mustang. That's a unicorn idea. Yeah, yeah, I just said it. Saying, like, Joshua, do you know what you're talking about? Like, 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 all his generals were like, man, this guy has lost his bearings. I know that we've been out here a hot day. Like, he's not a visionary anymore. This guy lo looks like a loose cannon. Like, we need to. It wasn't God's idea. But God says, bet, I can do that. But why didn't you do it before, God? You didn't ask for it. Well, here's the, here's the crazy part. Joshua 10, it says, there's never been a day like it or, or since that God listened to a man about planetary alignment. The Bible says the sun doesn't move. Like the rotation of the earth to be, like, like hang on there, Joshua. Like interrupt the galaxies? Is that what you're talking about? Like dial it down. Like you Pentecostals are out of control. He's like, God, that's what I want to do. And God says, bet, I can do it. I can do that. Who knew a man could get a son, the sun to stand still? Faith amazes God. Like I am talking to some lazy faith people today. I'm like, we need to up our game. Because there are moments that God will stop in his tracks and says, Ron, wow, that's amazing faith. Like, Caitlin, wow. Like, like, I am impressed that you have come to that point where you can declare that. Because the Bible says, no, I have seen, no, here. Like, like, I couldn't wait to share this message with y'all. Like, when I messaged, like, I was like, man, this is bursting. It's like, I wanted to preach it on, on Discord. That's how much I wanted. I, was, I wanted to leave, like, a voicemail on there. Like, listen to this before church. If you can get this, just allow this to sink down. This will change you. How many roads has he not walked through because you haven't asked yet? You know, the only other time Jesus was amazed was in Mark 6. The only other time Jesus was amazed. Mark 6. Jesus is in his hometown. 
this people that are his family, people that knew him, people that saw him grow up. They're like, man, you, you can't be the miss. Like you, that's, uh, we know your brothers. We know your, like you're the carpenter, dude. Like we know who you are, dude. Like, like they knew him. The ones that grew up in the pews of the church, they knew him. And in verse 6 of Mark 6, the Bible says, he was amazed at their lack of faith. That's when he went. How does it go, Ron? Yeah. Wow. Like Jesus was like, dude, man. And he says, a prophet is not accepted in his own. Like, don't get casual about Jesus, church. It's so many of us have grown up in the church and have heard this word faith so much that you're treating Jesus so casual and Jesus is looking at you pitifully and saying, know that your casual attitude to God and the things of God can hold him back from exuding his true being not because he's not just because you don't want him to see him that way it doesn't change who he is it changes your perspective about him it changes your ability to see who he truly is he can withhold himself from like like you can with like allow I, I don't know how to put this together but 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 man his character character can be withheld because you restrict him in a, restrict him in a box and don't allow yourself to see his true character because here's what can happen Jesus can be amazed at both an overflow of faith or the deficiency of it I don't know what category you fall in I don't know if you're getting the wow or the Like I did all this stuff for you and I keep doing all this stuff and you keep reading the word and you keep fasting and you keep praying and you show up Sunday after Sunday and you hear all these messages, but wow. Church, we need God to do something in this generation that he's never done before in any generation. And that requires crazy faith, outside the box faith. Your children need that. Trust me, the struggles that your kids are going to go through are not the struggles that you went through. It's going to be scary. And we need some unicorn faith. We need some people with unicorn ideas that can say the, the world might think I'm crazy, but God, I'm going to declare into being things that are crazy, that sound crazy, that are that, that crazy to even imagine. But I am going to place it at the feet of Jesus and I'm going to declare that. I'm going to just close in prayer today and there's anybody that needs prayers of anybody that needs to just linger and spend some time in the presence of God and worship I'm sorry sometimes we go over time and today was one of those days where I just needed to get this message to y'all thank you for your patience if you need to leave that's totally understandable I'm going to pray I'm going to close but if you need prayers I'm going to ask Eric and Rebecca I'm going to ask uh Ashley and Jason, if you guys can just be available for prayer, if anybody needs prayers. I'm talking to some husbands and wives that need to step forward and say, hey, pray for us. 
please, now listen to me what I'm saying. If your family's with you, if your kids are with you, bring them with you. Come stand and say, pray for us as a family. We need some extraordinary faith that amazes God. I'm just not talking to families. I'm talking to some young men and women. I'm talking to some young adults. I'm talking to people that just need to look at your own lives and say, man, I don't know what my relationship with God is. I need my faith to be renewed, refreshed. If that's you standing over here and you don't know where your faith is, you're not being awed by God anymore and, and God's like looking at you and saying, I want to have a personal relationship with you. Today, my God is seeking you. If that's you today, man, all the intellect in the world is not going to suffice. God is wanting to have a personal relationship with you. With you. He cares about your soul. And I'm asking people to take a leap of faith today, a step of faith today and say, God, would you prove yourself to me? Where God can lean down into you and say, wow. This whole thing of you got to be a strong Christian and, and a believer in order for things to move and shake and for God to stop. No, 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 no. This was an ungodly man that just had the faith to dare to believe. You might be distant from God. You might be far away from God. But God's waiting to say, wow your faith that can just stand up. I'm going to throw open the altar for prayer. If there's anybody that needs prayer, y'all can come up. Guys, if y'all could just, uh, prayer partners, if you can join us in front, I'm just going to pray for you guys and feel free to come and spend some time in prayer. Father, we thank you for this moment. Thank you for this word that is so strong. I pray, God, that we will not leave this place until and unless we respond to this message in the most appropriate way possible. Increase our faith. Give us unique ideas, God, that will change this world. Give us the ability to think like this man. Lord, your response is always a go. He has been healed. Show to us, Lord, that you're an omniscient God, a God that is there in all times and all places. And Lord, you will prove that to us over and over and over again. I want to thank you for your goodness. I want to thank you for your character. Give us the ability to know you and to understand you to have a relationship with you. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here that's standing here that does not have a relationship with you, I pray that they'll take an extraordinary step of faith right now. It's not something that they've ever done in their life before. It's probably something that's out of their comfort zone. But I pray that they will take a step out right now. And I pray, God, that they will give their life to you. That they will say yes to Jesus. That they will say yes to following you. That they will say yes to pursuing a life of faith, God. I pray that, Lord, you will challenge them to step out of their comfort zones and just come and join with one of these people and just pray with them. And I pray for other people standing here, Lord, if they need a boost in their faith, I pray, God, that they, will, they need new vision, new direction. I pray that you give that to them. So church, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance your direction. May he give you peace that passeth all understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.